Welcome to Old Town New World. We're here at Millstone Pizza in Old Town Rock Hill, South Carolina. I'm Jason Broadwater. I'm Chris Gervais. And we're here to talk about the ever-changing world of Small Town yeah. USA. beautiful day in the shade sitting outside and we have a guest Chris and I have with us and Micah of course always holding the mic Mike Mike Micah Micah Mike I never thought about that oh, that's genius Mike uh <laughs> uh we have a guest named Terry Roosh Terry is a photographer a playwright a director uh, many other th- videographer uh, an artist just an artist a creator and so um Terry, we're proud to have Terry here, and he's been around Rock Hill a while, and uh, he's got a studio down the road. I've gone and seen plays there. There's all kinds of stuff going on. So we're going to learn about Terry today. So Terry, let's start with uh, when you got to Rock Hill, how you got to Rock Hill. Well, I was a newspaper reporter when I was young, started out. And um, I met a girl in Camden, South Carolina, where I lived. She was from Rock Hill. At the horse race? No, no, we, we lived in the same apartments. And um, she had a boyfriend, and he went back to New York, so I hated her boyfriend. <laughs> and well, <clears throat> and I did this on purpose. And he, one day when he was having his going away party, I did this because we really didn't get along. I said, oh, I made date Caroline now that you're leaving. Oh, nice. <laughs> but I did <laughs> it just to, just to tick him off. And um, an interesting thing about that is I only had one headache in my life. Only one headache, and that's when I came to Rock Hill to meet her parents. And she's from here, and I, we stayed the weekend. And Sunday morning, I woke up with a headache. I never had one in my life. And her mother came and said, "You drank all of our coffee. Go buy some more." And she handed me a bag, and it was decaf. I went through caffeine. Oh wow! And because um, I like coffee, I drink a lot of coffee. And um, so anyway, I moved here and I went to work at the Rock Hill newspaper, the Herald, which didn't last long. I was not a good mix there. Huh. They uh, let me go real quick. Interesting. What did they not like? I don't know. It's uh, newspaper reporters are. Uh, uh, I don't know how they are now, but back then it was. Um, I just didn't fit in. I was uh, only interested in feature writing, things like that. And I wrote stories that actually were, I was the only reporter there at the time that had their stories picked up and sent out over the wire service. So I wrote good stories, but I didn't get along with the managing editor. Huh. But now your photography is well, in the I paper said, a lot, Well, I didn't right? want to be a newspaper reporter anyway. I wanted to write fiction, so I said, I'm going to become a photographer. I had never taken a photograph in my life until I went to work at the newspaper in Camden. Okay. And they handed me a camera and said, you got to learn to use it. Uh, so really? I did, yeah. Huh. And that was before, this camera didn't have a light meter, it was just a camera. And they when said, was this? What years? 1973. So I uh, worked there two years, left, and came here. Um, six months later, I, well, the guy that I didn't get along with on the day I was going to get my marriage license, the day that he fired me, I thought that was... Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. And so I said, uh, I'm never going to place myself again into the hands of other people to control my life. I'm going to become a photographer and make a living. Cool. And so... But yeah. the paper has used your photography a lot, right? Am I wrong? No, not that. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. No, I was just... Oh, I, and I, I was real lucky. Um, I knew photographers in Charlotte, I met them, and um, uh, back then Bojangles was the big deal in Charlotte, it was uh-huh. a local, 
and the guy in Charlotte that was photographing their openings said, I'm not going to drive to Rock Hill for $100 to photograph a ribbon cutting, so they called me. And at that time, they, had, they decided they were going to expand and needed photographs because they were going to open stores up in Florida where they supposedly, I guess, speak Spanish, so they wanted pictures. So I started out with the, as the Bojangles photographer. Uh, okay. That was really my first big job. I would say, for one way or another, I, I was familiar with your name from photograph credits from something. I told myself it was from the paper. But. Well, it could have been. I mean, you take pictures for people, and uh, but I, I, if you, you know, commercial photography, you take pictures. Yeah. If you don't get credit, you just get paid. Okay, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So you primarily have made your living over the years through photography. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you've done a lot of other things artistic-wise. Well, I've, I've, uh, the whole point of it all, of my life, when I was uh, a senior in college, I came up with these principles that I've lived by, and I tell people it's always a mistake to live by a 21-year-old's concept of life. But I've done that. I've always lived by them. And one thing was uh, I would not get through life and look back and say I should have done that. Good. And awesome. so. And uh, the good thing is I met Caroline, my wife, and she understood my philosophy, uh -huh. so I did surprise her after we got married yeah, right. and said, by the way, this is what I'm going to do with my life. <laughs> but I, I don't think you should live and have uh, many regrets if you can help it. Yeah, absolutely. That's a you, great question. You know, we talk about, uh, any, a lot of people struggle with that idea, that concept, every generation, but we've talked about lately the millennial generation. The millennial generation, so people is that like. What you guys well, we're a little bit. Micah's in that group. Chris is barely in it. I'm barely. a little bit out of it. Anyway, sometimes we'll show up at parties with yeah, millennials right. and try to blend in. We're one but of those. It's, guys. it's like 35 and down, kind of. So, it, and a lot of it, those are arbitrary ages. So, I'm kind of in it from a philosophical standpoint, but kind of not with age. At some points, you know that kind of thing. I'm 38. So, but anyway, the idea is that younger folks are more into being themselves all day long versus. Uh, kind of sur quote surrendering their time to work and then getting to be themselves on the weekend where they're looking for more opportunities to uh, find meaning and value in the work that they do all day not just like the generation Xer who work hard play hard you know you check in your time to the corporate thing make a bunch of money and go play hard on the weekends like that's not a millennial and talk trash about your job about how lame your job is yeah, so yeah, yeah. there's a broader <laughs> appreciation for having meaning your entire life and not retiring and then being, being philanthropic and doing what you enjoy, but having it entire life. There's a broader appreciation for that in the millennial generation than we've seen in well, other times. I, I like that. I know, and you <laughs> seem like a millennial is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, you, you meet someone that works at a 7 they still have 7-Elevens. Yes, they do, yeah. Okay, yeah. you meet somebody that works at 7-Eleven, they're a clerk there, and then they leave, and there's some wild, crazy disco dancer. Right. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I always said to myself, I should be who I am all the time. Yeah. Um, that's a, something that's rare in your generation, because you're a boomer. Yeah, absolutely. You're a baby boomer, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right in the middle of it, I guess. Yeah. And so that's very rare in your generation. Yeah, and it's sometimes difficult to have conversations with baby boomers because I, I didn't follow this, the, you know, the, the rules, I guess you could call it that, and um, yeah, what you what you talk about. So anyway. <laughs> I know, and then so much of, of the definition of success is tied around money, you know, that it's like, are you insanely wealthy and you're an artist? Oh, well, then you justified being an artist by being crazy wealthy. Are you not crazy yeah. wealthy? Well, then it's like, ah, you kind of didn't justify it somehow, you know? Right. 
Well, money's good, you know. Money, money, you know, money's good. But um, I've never, I've, I hate to say this, but I've never been terribly interested. In it. Although I love it, I, right, mean, I like yeah. to have it, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, I creative success to me. But that's my priorities. You know, creative success is the only real success to me. To well, me, you know? on your deathbed, I mean, you're gonna say, oh, I got a two million dollars in the bank, and then over here you have. Two million things you left undone that right, you regret. Right, right. And let me tell you, talk to people that are old and they regret everything left undone. Right. And yeah. if they didn't, they don't regret it. You don't want to know those people. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Well, we yeah. talk about over at Revinfo. We talk about we don't work to make money. We make money so we can keep working because we love what we do. Right. You know? yeah. Oh, I believe that. Yeah. 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 That's a lot of fun. So, so when did you open the uh, Terry Roos Studio? I guess it was about 35 years ago. Um, um, there was a, I met some people, um, had an ad agency, they needed to photograph. Back then, banks, when you opened an account, they gave you blankets, toasters. Y'all remember this? They used to give you stuff. And so this bank was going to have a campaign to, um, uh, you know, try to get people to open up accounts. And so they, I got a job to photograph the toasters, the blankets, the, you know, the the coffee cup set, what else, the dishes, you know, whatever they gave you for the account. Gym bags. Yeah, they did. <laughs> so, um, um, we got a gym bag when we got Showtime. Yeah, same thing, yeah. same thing. <laughs> and then, um, so I started out there and then lucked, actually lucked into Bojangles. And then once, because Bojangles in the, uh, was so famous, it, um, it's like the NFL team there now. I mean, Bojangles was, yeah. the, was the, in Charlotte, was big and it opened up all these doors. Yeah, it's still a big thing in Charlotte. Yeah, so um, I was their photographer about seven years. Oh, wow. That was in my 30s. I don't, 30-year-olds uh, are, um, cease to be human beings in a way. <laughs> and, you're, and you, are you still, you're not, are you I'm 30? in my 30s, yeah. That's yeah. it. And I feel, yeah, that's where the lines are kind of drawn, yeah. Well, you know, you um, back then, was, I was in my 30s and trying to you know, build everything and work hard and have a family and kids. And then you get to 40 and you say, what the hell was I doing, you know? Right. And then you become, a human, you become a human being again. Oh, that's funny. It's always 30-year-olds that are always charging ahead in life, build, 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 work, 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 get, yeah. ahead, get ahead. It's not all it's meant to be. Yeah, I can relate to some of that. I mean, I mean yeah. yeah, that's that's reasonable because I mean, think about it. Like in early early adolescence, the thing that you will eventually become as a teenager, you have this like overzealous shot at it. Like when you're 13 or 14, you try really hard to be a teenager, you know, and then you eventually get there and you're like, eh, you know, I'm a teenager. It's like so that makes sense. Your 30s is sort of like that for the rest of your life. You're just like, oh, I'm an adult. Yeah. You know, look at my stuff. I'm making money, I'm getting ahead, I'm <laughs> yeah, building yeah. career, I'm influencing people, I've got power, and it's not, it's not. It's, I, I eat mean, broccoli. Yeah, it's, it's just not, <laughs> not always what it's made out to be. Anyway, so, so I, anyway, I got rid of, I got through my, my thirties, and I said, I had employees, and I hated employees because I didn't like managing people, and I said, this is not the way I'm supposed to do it. I got away from my. 21 year, 22 year old mission. So I, I changed their directions 100%. It said fate will take care of me or not. Huh. Yeah. But now, in terms of like what you're saying about your 30s, uh, is that something you personally experienced that difference? You're saying, or no? Well, you're what, saying you observed that. Well, third, or, you, know, you, you know, everything in life is uh, a bell curve, right? Right. You have some people over here that are exempt, and some people over here 
let's use an example. Uh, you have some people that are that are that are absolute saints, uh -huh. and there's and there's ten of them, uh -huh. and then you have some people that if you'd have known, they should have been shot at birth because of who, <laughs> what they became. And all the billions, of the rest of us are somewhere in this right, right, bell right, curve. Right, right. And so you can't make blanket statements about anything because there's always right. an exception. But generally speaking, 30-year-olds are all about career, family, power, whatever else. You want. What other words we use? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And that's when you had employees who were trying to grow the business, you were trying to do all that. And it was just not what I wanted because I wanted. I realized that um, I would um, never achieve these goals I had. So I, so I sort of went, stopped it all. And... Um, got rid of employees and all that. No. Well, let me ask you this. So let's pause uh, historically and move to the present. Tell us in the present, what is uh, Terry Roof Studios? Because I hear about, I've been there to a play. What's going on over there? Uh, my studio is designed um, uh, um, it's, it's open to anything interesting. <laughs> There's no rules. Uh, except people that aren't polite have to be eliminated. Right. They, you don't want people that are that are cause problems around because it ruins everything. But if if it's for uh, exploring creativity, I guess I don't know. Cool. So it's sort of a a culture that you're trying to create a culture there. Well, you live in you live in Rock Hill, South Carolina, and uh, if you live in this town, and I like Rock Hill, I tell you, Rock Hill uh, was has been good to me. Who's the baseball player that used to play anyway? Baseball's good anyway. Rock Hill's a great town, but uh, there's not a lot of what I'm particularly interested in here. Uh, it's great. It's an incredible town for sports. I mean, think about the sport facilities in this town. They're unique. But if you like the things I like. It's not available here, so I said, "Well, I got this building. It's, it's a big warehouse, five thousand feet. I can do anything I want." Right. But and when did you get that studio? Twenty. I've moved in this into the building in now about twenty-two okay. years ago. So twenty-two years ago. But the thing is, is I'd say a lot of those things that you're interested in. I mean, Rock Hill is it's better now than it was twenty-two oh, years ago, yeah. correct? Well, I went to Washington D.C. one time. Uh, do you remember when you used to go to the video store to rent? Oh, v yeah. What was it, VHS? Oh, is that what yeah. you called them? Yeah, VHS. Do you remember when you used to do that? Oh, God, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, one time I was in Washington and uh, visiting some people, and uh, the guy says, uh, well, let's go rent a video. And he took me to a video store, and I had never seen anything like it. The selection. Uh -huh. It was like I was this little country bumpkin, and yeah. I mean, you, everything was there that was unbelievable. It wasn't Not, just all the Rambo movies? No, no. I mean, I just, I was just like, so um, the things I like to do in, in the art world are, um, you know, you can do it in New York, you can do it in the big city, you can do it in, what are the big cities? I forgot, Chicago, Paris. It's all there, but it's not all in Rock Hill. And so I wanted to try to, well, I wanted to, the opportunity there. Mm -hmm. and so I started these different, I have a photography program, a movie program, um, a theater program. You say program, you just independently put together a program yeah, of some kind. Yeah, we have movie nights where you can go and uh, watch um, uh, a foreign movie that you would never ever hear about. But 
I, I particularly like farm moves and how they're shot. And there's no, like I watched, uh, uh, I love James Bond. I mean, my, my James Bond, you know, the old guy. Yeah. yeah. And the, I forgot the new guy's name. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Craig. Craig. And so I said, oh, I'm gonna, I love James Bond. Let me watch the movie. Well, what James Bond was, was foot chase, car chase, boat chase, plane chase, bicycle chase, stop, let you take a breath, and start it all over again. There's absolutely no... Yeah, and, that, and I don't like movies like that. Uh -huh. You know, and if you count the cuts between, what is it, like five to seven seconds, you have to cut, 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 cut. Oh, nowadays, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so these these movies I like, the camera may stay on something two, yeah, three minutes. Yeah, I love that too. And it's all character driven, mm -hmm. not not action, not, not uh, it's all character driven stories. And so we'll, we do these nights and a few people enjoy this. We come and set up a projector and watch, uh, yeah, the movies. That's awesome. So did you, were you always, is this something that, that was kind of always exclusive and was that intentional or did you want it to, did you want to have it well, be more? Unfortunately, as I've gotten older, I've lost what I can remember I used to have. And that, that's the sad thing about life. I've lost, there's some things you're gonna lose. And it's, but, but back when I was younger, uh, you don't have, here's, this is the terrible thing about life. It's a lot of people, some people, you have this incredible ability, but you have absolutely no means to explore. explore. So you have no money, uh, no influence. What else don't you have? Uh, equipment, uh, and, you're, and you just dream and dream, and you yeah. work and work and work. And all these years in life, and finally you gain I think you've been beaten out. Oh, there we go. Finally, you gain enough people to help, enough money, enough resources, but you lose some of that ability that you had when you were young. I don't know what it is, and it may just be me, but I, I don't think it's just me. And, uh, and so now I, I, um, um, I'm doing the best I can at 63 years old, but it was not what I could have done when I was 23. Uh -huh. Are you familiar? You ever go to Asheville? Who? Asheville, North Carolina. Yeah, I went to school up in the mountains, uh, yeah. Western Carolina. Yeah. Do you happen to know um, Bonnie and Dave that used to have this place called the Green Door? Mm -mm. When I was in Asheville, there was a place. There's an alley called Chicken Alley, and there was a Green Door in that alley, and um, there was no signage or anything. And when you opened that Green Door, there was a place inside of it that was a had a stage, a bar. Uh, Christmas lights up on the wall, easels, and place to hang things on art on the wall, and you could go in there, any, uh, you know, probably Wednesday through Saturday, and when you open that door, you'd have no idea what was going in there. They, they didn't really market; they had money to market or whatever. But once you found out about it, you went in there. You always knew it would have the culture and feel. Just to grab you, just. But it would be a play. It would be a. So it'd be a circle of people sitting around workshopping a poem and they'd let you come and sit and listen. I mean, there was always something going on in there that was just different. And Asheville has a lot of that now. Always had that. Yes. Back in the early 70s it had that. Oh, really? Wow. Well, you, to me, when I found out about what you were doing over there, when I first moved back to this area, it reminded me of the Green Door. Well, that's what it was supposed to be. Uh, my place is designed... Um, you can do anything you want. You want to stick your neck out and try something, here's your chance. Now, you may get it cut off, but if you want to try, try. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's the concept. There, there's no, there's, well, it's gotten a little bit tougher because 
you get a little successful, and then you got to continue to be successful. So the, the um, like in the theater part of it, you you can't just put on any play because if it's terrible, audiences may not come back. Yeah. So you have a brand. Well, that's a good point because there's a there is a balance. I mean, that's a great point because on the one hand, it's it's kind of great to have. Um, you know, the punk scene's kind of like this to me. Mm-hmm. The punk scene, you know, uh, they have punk shows up here in the courtroom all the time, Mike and them. Yeah. So, to me, one great thing about the punk scene is that anybody can participate. And you're going to go, and there might be seven bands playing, and probably four of them are terrible. But they're, like, it's interesting to watch because they're young people giving it their all. And they got energy, and they're exploring ideas, and they're, you know, and it's great. But if there's not some good bands yeah. some really good bands then you I say you I quit going because while I think that's noble I don't really I can't I don't, I don't really have the time and tolerance to stand there and listen to four terrible bands yeah, well, you know, yeah. I, I want to go do something else so I can if there's two bad bands and then two good bands I'm happy yeah. we do a program of six plays so and, and it's always like this if you have a hundred people or not say 99 people and you have six plays 30 will love this one, 30 won't care about these two, and 30 will hate it. It's always going to divide like that. But but you can write a play at our group, and we'll read it and workshop it, but it may not produce it. But if you want to write a play, you're welcome. If you want to act, if someone cast you. That's great. Well, I'm trying to get this, like, nine-year-old girl to be a director. She came, she was in, I think she's nine, she could be 12 or 13, I don't know how old they are. But, uh, <laughs> she's her, 40, but as uh, a kid. She, this girl is uh, You've seen children. Uh, a natural board director. I mean, this, this girl will be a theater person. She's going to be, there's no question. And I would love to let her direct a play, because I think she would do a great job. You know, her mother had to bring her every night, so yeah, it's yeah, a bit yeah, of a yeah. burden. But her mother's a director in Fort Mill. Yeah. This little girl is going to be a great director. Interesting. That's cool. The problem is she wants to be an actress. She doesn't yeah. yet see her gifts in directing. Uh-huh. Interesting. I think as a, as a young person, it's easier to be more enamored with actors because you see them on the screen. You don't understand the creative power of the director. They're the ones who get the applause, not the director, not the writer. Yeah. Red carpet. And, yeah. They got all the fans and social media. And, I'm, I'm going to invite. I'm going to uh, invite her. Ask her mother. If she wants. You know, if we have a short play and, and if it works, I'm going to let this girl direct the play. That'd be cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So um, and then I do photo stuff at the studio. And you have these photo parties and try to do that. And, uh, like, have, do you ever set up commercial photography in the in the studio? Yeah, not much anymore. I mean, but uh, what I do is um, got a group of. Um, passionate amateur photographers in Rock Hill and we once a year have a big photo party, a big cocktail party and hang up a couple hundred, maybe 150 pictures and invite all your friends to come look. That's great. One night only. Yeah, that's cool. And dude, I like doing that. So it gives us all something to work towards. You know, I got to take pictures because I have to hang 10 pictures in October. Well, let me ask you this. A lot of what we talk about on this podcast is um, that the economy is changing, like the, the nation's economy, the world, global economy. And part of the change is that the creative services are becoming a huge part of the economy. So this idea that, um, for example, our company, we have uh, co- companies all over the uh, southeast and even beyond that will hire us to do creative services. We're creating something, we're coming up with ideas, we're creating uh, creative deliverables, designs, you know, videos, you know, we're doing all the, and it's, it's just creativity. 
and it's um, commercialized creativity. Well, increasingly, a lot of because of the internet, you know, lots of people need a lot of stuff. They need a lot of writing, they need a lot of video, they need a lot of images, they need a lot of photography. And so there's this kind of creative services economy, what people refer to it as, this driving the larger economy, it's kind of at the center of the larger economy. And that economy is based on creative people, and creative people enjoy the concept of the village. So revitalizing your downtown is an economic development investment, your little oh, historic that downtown. Rock, sure. That's what we're in, yeah, that's what Rock Hill's doing because, not just because we think it's beautiful and it's fun to hang out in, that's like the bonus, but they're doing it straight up from an economic standpoint to where the people who drive the economy want to live in the village. So I put the question to you as a person who has uh, what we would see as like millennial tendencies and sensibilities yet is a baby boomer, have you always been fascinated with the village, like the sitting outside at the cafe and talking about art, so to speak? Yeah, you know, um, um, y'all, you folks may or may not realize this because, but one day you wake up and you say, I wasn't supposed to spend my life here. I was supposed to spend my life at a cafe in, uh, yeah, yeah. But I'm in Rock Hill and, uh, and um, yeah, it's just the fate of it, but it, I was not supposed to live here, but I did. And uh, I don't regret that, but uh, people my age, you, you didn't do like you guys did. It was, it was uh, I mean, you, you weren't as, you, you were more, what do you call it? Um, at least I'm saying this, and people may disagree, but more um, do what you're expected to do. Right, right, right. You yeah. didn't take risk. You just didn't do it. I yeah. mean, no one did. It wasn't mean, an option. No, never. Like my wife said, well, I, the one you know, I was going to be a teacher. She would really rather have been uh, some kind of scientist, but she's but she was pegged to be a t school teacher. But that's really not what she wanted to do. And um, uh, you broke that mold to a great extent. Yeah, I think uh, I think she likes. Talking about my wife, I think she likes that because uh, her father would have re would have much rather that she had married a banker. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, I think the bankers, I don't want to, I'm just making a statement, I'm sure it's not true, probably spend two weeks at Myrtle Beach, but I've, we've done all kinds of crazy stuff, like, I'm a huge fan of ice cream, and before you could get Ben and Jerry's ice cream in the South, one Christmas day, I said, let's go get some ice cream I heard about, so we drove to Vermont, <laughs> took all, had a little wow. kid, four little kids, packed them in the car, and we drove to Vermont. <laughs> To Ben and Jerry's, Indeed. it was worth every. It was worth. Man, it. that's awesome. That is too cool. I went that's to the I went funny. to the Ben and Jerry's place up there. It's really cool. Yeah, you know, even the toilet paper has her face on. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's they hilarious. Promote, they promote. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, one that's year funny. we said let's go find snow, and we had to drive again. Almost, um, we had to go to I think it was um, New Hampshire before we found snow. But I wanted to see snow because you don't cool. see that's it. That's cool. That's so much there. fun. That's. That awesome. is fun. I yeah. love it. Yeah. But. Um, but I, I hope my kids one day, when they've, they've got, I'm a grandfather, and I hope that they do the same thing. Um, but, you know, I, I just, I just like, I just like, I, I just, I like Rock Hill, but I don't, I'm not positive this is where I was, I was supposed to spend my life, spend my life. I think if I would have met people when I was 20, at this, at this day, what year is this, 2014? Correct. And I was 22, I would have gone a whole different direction. I would have. Do you, are you aware of and are you uh, participating in kind of that, the type of, the birth of that kind of thing in Rock Hill? Well, I'm not, I'm not, um, 
Is that like a board or something? No, I don't mean a board or committee. I mean the reality of the, where we're sitting right now. Like this stuff is happening. You know, Amelie's, uh, Millstone. Yeah, and like um, the Mike Gentry stuff at the courtroom. Yeah, the courtroom. And, and your, your place is like... It's, it's part the, of it, but I'm not downtown. I, I didn't end up... I was going to be downtown, but I didn't. You have the vibe of the village, which is primarily downtown, but there's things outside of it. You know, when I was in Asheville, the River District, there was nothing down by the River District, except there were like two studios. David Hopes had one of them. He was one of my professors. He's a poet and a writer, and he's a great guy. Uh, he was actually nominated for a Pulitzer, which was amazing. But anyway, he, I used to go down to his place, but it was like sketchy as it could be down by the river. Now the River District in Nashville is booming, man. It's like the coolest place in town. But and I think downtown, the same thing's like happening where this was the place you didn't really go, but there might be something going on. There was Terry's studio kind of near downtown, but wasn't much going on. Thing like my a place would be great in Asheville, uh, Wilmington. Uh, I wouldn't want to be in Charlotte, but I'd love to be in Columbia. Yeah. Um, but I think you got to embrace what's going on here. I think you're perfect well, for Rock Hill. Um, you know, um, I mean, I'm in the county, and you couldn't have a place like mine in the city. Right. If, uh, you, in the yeah, I'm fortunate mm. I'm in the county. Oh, so. you're close to us then. I think I can throw a rock in here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, the. Yeah, there's so many rules and regulations. There's no rules in my place except when I mentioned you, you can't be a jerk. Yeah, because people. Is that a county law or is that a terrible law? County, county law. It's a good law. But um, no, I just hoped, I just wanted to do everything I wanted to do, and um, and what I'm trying to do now is figure out how do I get back to when I was 22. How do you find that again? I'm, I'm st actually working. Working to figure that out. I don't it's, think I can, but I'm trying. What's a uh, Buddhist concept of beginner's mind? That's what you have to look into. Oh. That, that, yeah, the idea of not letting your, uh, not letting sort of the layers of sediment of time, that's right, that's yeah, right. destroy the about. energy and passion. I'm trying to get a faster current to sweep the mud away. That's what I'm trying right, to yeah, do, yeah. but I'm having a hard time doing it. Yet you do want to benefit from the wisdom you've gained over the years. So a lighter wisdom, I guess. Well, the wisdom helps, but um, underneath, but I, I would trade all the wisdom in for the spontaneity. What do you want to call it? Just yeah. that I had. I would. You trade the wisdom for that. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a, you know it's funny. That's the thing about the like the way that children uh, create art, and you know it's like you take like. And this was, I recently read a book by Ed Catmull, president of Pixar, and he talked about the first time he went to his kid's school for his art exhibit, and he noticed that all the, like, kindergarten kids had this elaborate, beautiful art that was strange and weird, and there were all these colors, and then they hit, like, uh, second or third grade, and, and then it starts being kind of bad, just pretty much yeah. bad, and he's like, and it's because you they lose, they see this social sort of, uh, you know, contraction and this uh, they're competing and they're trying to do it they're trying to, they're trying to make more realistic imitating art. things they're, yeah and that what makes think and, it, and it dilutes the energy and the passion that the younger children just and they just they well, no just, one restrains younger children right, parents right, right. are just thrilled oh look at my child they can do that just, right. that's all they care about then they get older they want to start to influ the influence starts to come in right and that yeah. quote-unquote reality starts to sink in which yeah. if for art and creativity reality can be a real hindrance to 
you know, yeah. the creative expression is is more concerning itself with pulling away the reality to see the kind of the real truth, you know, behind that. Truth behind it, yeah. Yeah, and that's well, that's and then you, but then you see that same kind of like um, a return to that in some of the greatest of artists, you know, where you see things that you know, you always that classic line where uh, somebody looks at a Picasso or something, and goes, well, hell, I could do that, you know. But you know, a lot of these artists that are doing things that quote I could do have gone through elaborate training and done the most complex like hand drawings and stuff and then they get out of that and go into a place where they're just breaking open ways mm -hmm. of thinking with, with mm -hmm. art and being ex extremely creative and so there's kind of a context around what they're creating. If you take mm -hmm. it out of context, it, it may look like a child's. Right. If you don't understand like the context around the bounds that they're breaking, barriers are breaking, what they're trying to communicate by it. So, yeah, it, and because it's your perspective, if you're looking at a, a really expressive way, music, drawing, whatever, painting, and you're looking at it from the perspective of, well, is this like Norman Rockwell? Is this reality? Which, I mean, I love Norman Rockwell. But, and if you are, and if you're not even going to try to engage it and try to quote unquote read right. it for what it is, yeah, you're, it's going to look like crap. I remember growing up, I had, my uncle told me, anyone could be a modern artist it's just not everybody cares to do it you know and he was kind of implying like well anyone can go throw paint at a canvas you know there are, there are some people to think that there are some people to think that that actually attempted right and it's and yeah it. and that's yeah and it's, and it's obvious because they're not it's yeah it's that like i said that idea of creating it's not you know it's not about the literal it's about the the visceral emotional sort of vision of things you know and that's and if if any kind of creativity isn't, and the thing is, I think there's a lot of people that are very good at being creative and expressing that visceral emotion that aren't trying to. It just comes out, and right. they don't realize they're doing it, you know, and, and it just comes out. So we I talked about it with the, architecture, actually, on the last yeah, podcast. I think the technical achievement allows you, if you go back into the simplicity kind of on the other side of complexity, and you be, and then you bring a simplicity to things having that technical understanding have gone through that mm -hmm. you know allows you to create real masterpieces and but from the perspective of the person viewing it often we might see something that seems balanced and amazing but that might be in the in the in a child's piece or in a great you know artist's piece and a lot of times you need the perspective oh it's a picasso oh now i know i need to be looking at right. why this is not as simple as i imagine and therefore i need to kind of check myself on interpreting it quickly as as just colors or something, you know what I mean? Like, right. it helps, I think, for us to process how this could be great in its chaos if we know that it's consciously right. that way. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. I know my personal experience with making movies and telling stories that I, the stories I came up with before I knew how it all worked, I think are better conceptually yeah. than what I come up with now. But I knew. But the thing is, I wasn't happy then, and they weren't. They were unformed. They were right. misguided. And I'd say I don't regret at all that you know I hunkered down and I said I want to learn the rules. Then I want to break them, but yeah. or, or or not necessarily break it. Then I want to use them however I see fit. But first, I want to know them. You, you can you can break any if you understand what you're doing. You can break any rule. Just right. Never the laws. I don't know what the right. laws and rules are. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you get good enough, you can break the rules. Well, that's a good distinction between laws and, and rules. Yeah. Because yeah, rules seem to be, I mean, or we can define in this conversation anyway, that rules definitely seem to be more those things that replication, 
uh, that, well, that worked, that was successful, let's come on, let's just be safe and do that. Whereas laws are sort of unchangeable fundamentals, you know, like yeah. that's a good way to define it. I had a great writing teacher, and um, she said you can, told me, she told us class, she said you can, if you get good enough, you can break the laws, but never the rules. And so we said, well, what are the rules and laws? She said, you people figure it out. That's funny. Yeah, that was not funny either. I'm mean, still pissed off about that. You know, I had a uh, writing teacher. You, did you go to school in North Carolina? I did. Where did you go? Asheville. That's why you lived there. Okay. And then I went up to Vermont and did my MFA in Vermont. Where? Goddard. I know a lot about Vermont, I don't know that. It's in Plainfield, right outside of uh, Montpelier. Oh, and I know where you are, yeah. yeah. Right in the middle almost. Yeah. But we lived actually in Franklin, which is a tiny village about 10 miles from the Canadian border. I know where that is. Yeah, right near St. Albans. Mm -hmm. I know where that is. Yeah. I used to spend a lot of time in Vermont. Okay. I used to get to go to a writer's colony in Vermont. That's cool. I never went to that. It was in Dor uh, Dorset, the Dorset Colony. It was, a, it was a, a, a summer theater program out of mainly out of New York, and then in the winter they rented their rooms to. Well, they rented. You got to you go up there free. That's to, awesome. Uh, writers, and I used to get to go there. I liked it. And we appreciate you being here, Terry. Um, you know, we, we try to have interesting people on the podcast, and I think you you qualify for that in scores. So, yeah. So you know, it's interesting to hear how you pioneered here. I mean, we, we believe that you're a pioneer here, and we're looking to do things in this town that look like what you've done here. Well, you know, I may have actually started this kind of do-it thing. I don't know, in, you know, because no one else was doing it. That's why I did it. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. otherwise I've never experienced anything. Mm -hmm. See, we, I have this uh, philosophy I call, it a I call it a thousand voices, and I believe that you don't have a, a vibrant village until you have a thousand voices. And your, your whole thing is about voices. You know, you have, a, you have a studio that opens itself to voices. You might have 10 voices in there in one night. You know, if we had 10 more of those, I mean, we got ourselves a lot of voices. You know, so we're, we're looking, you know, Mike Gentry has a lot of voices in his place. You got a lot of voices. Rev and Flo's got voices. You know, so that's what we're trying to uh, push for. It's not that we're gonna control whoever we are, whatever board or committee, you know, it's that we're trying to inspire voices. Do you think you scare people? Me? With, with too progressive, I'm gonna call it progressive, with non-traditional Southern. Are you talking about when I wear that hockey mask and carry chainsaw? No, no, I mean like, like um, I have found this, that some people are, are actually a little bit afraid of. Progress? Yeah. yeah absolutely. Well, I'm talking about particularly this type of progress where yeah. it, it's, it, it, I think sometimes it bothers people. Well, I was speaking in Maryland the other day, and I was uh, talking about uh, how I went to, in this downtown, I went to an open mic, and it was neat, and it was good energy. And this lady chimed in, and she was on a strategic planning team talking about investing a lot of money. So she's controlling a lot of power in terms of change. And she said, yeah, but if you have an open mic, one of these places, doesn't it kind of invite undesirables? Yeah. And my answer to that was, bohemianism is a driver of positive change. So take that however you, you think. I mean, are you, are you afraid of uh, the local powers? Am no. I talk about stuff you shouldn't no, talk this about? is good. I'm not afraid of it. I'm inspired by the conflict, the energy that comes from the conflict around bohemianism and, and kind of institutions. I think that's a good energy, good conflict, and, and we want as much of that as we can get. You know, so that's where I live, right between the two. You know.
So anyway, I didn't mean to turn this about me. I'm trying to tell you that we're glad that you're here. And um, and I was thrilled to be able to join you folks because because you folks are you folks. Well, thank you, <laughs> thank care. you. And we'll have you back on sometime. This was great, and thanks for well, being here, Terry. Thank you, thank you. Goodbye. All right, thank you. See you next week, everybody.